don't cry You can rely on me, honey well, welcome everyone to the AXPX Podcast, conversations about faith, doubt, disbelief, and everything in between. I am your host, Sean Drager. Thanks for tuning into the podcast, and uh, today with me, uh, someone I've been wanting to get on the show for quite some time and really excited that it finally worked out, Daniel G. Harmon. What's up, man? How's it going? Good. Good. I'm glad to have you on the show. It's me. We've, we met... We met on Twitter, or something like that. Um, the Twitter did someone like did Brian send you the record? Or, like, you know, I I want to say it was almost before that, I, or maybe yeah, maybe I was trying to do the I was trying. There's a music podcast I've always been trying to get off the ground, and and uh, I get overloaded with music, and it always I go a couple months and then it fails. <laughs> Take sure. a break. But hey, I think uh, maybe your guys is a publicist or manager. Uh, passed me along the album. Uh, is it Risk? Risk, yeah. I think didn't you review that for your website? Yeah, I think yeah, I, like, I reviewed it. And, and we needed so, to talk so. about that. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't. I liked it. Okay. I know I liked <laughs> it. Um, so uh, yeah, I think we met that way, and we've been trying to connect ever since then. I think so. Yeah, I think so too. So I'm glad it finally worked out. Yeah, me too. Thank you for having me, and happy New Year. Yeah, happy New Happy New Year. <laughs> So yeah, so ever since then we've been, you know, just kind of bullshitting on Twitter back and forth. I think, and and eventually it worked out where uh, you're able to, you know, have some time. And uh, yeah, when you don't work, you can find time easily. <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice. I'm jealous. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's stressful sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, so well, let's talk a little bit about uh, about the, about the band. I mean, your band's called the Trouble Sh- the Trouble Sharts. No, I've the Trouble Starts. <laughs> that was totally unintentional. You want to go ahead and start that over? Yeah. <laughs> no, we're keeping that in. Uh, trouble Starts. I apologize for the Freudian slip. Um, but um, but I think when when you released the album Risk, was it just Jan- Daniel G. Harmon, or or was the Trouble Starts on there as well? Uh, the trouble starts were on there. The trouble starts kind of came about because uh, I had a record out called Anthems from the Gentle War, and it was a, a, the last official solo record that I did. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to start wanting to play those live, I wanted it to be a, a full band because the songs are like rock songs. And so I started assembling a band, and and I was like, well, we're starting to play together and we're writing together, so let's just be a band. But I selfishly didn't want to lose kind of the credit that I had gotten from my, you know, back catalog. It was all ego. (laughs) And so, um, so we basically chose and the trouble starts because that's, um, one of the names of the songs on that record. And, and it was kind of a cool play on words. So we stuck with it. And then we recorded risk as a band. We tracked that record live with vocals and guitar overdubs, but, um, we just drilled it, drilled it, drilled it. And it was different than most of my recording experiences, which were kind of studio projects where I'd come in with something bare-boned and, and build from there. You know, lay lay a drum track down and then just build and build. This was like solid songs that we worked over for two months before we went into the studio. Um, and it was really fun and a great way to work. And that's how, you know, I, I, I realized the beauty of both of those things now. Okay. Um, and so we released that as Daniel G. Harmon and the Trouble Starts, and that was the first 
record that was that had the Trouble Starts moniker attached to it, even though only one of those people, Shay the drummer, is still in the band. Okay. And then and, for the and, most recent stuff, we've dropped the Daniel G. Harm. They kicked okay. me out. <laughs> they kicked you out of the band. Uh, they, I remember when I got the, you know, it was actually it was Bear Trap PR was when mm-hmm. I first uh, heard you guys. So I was I'm on their email list, and they, um, I love I love those guys. Like pretty much every band they send me is good. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, they they say I mean on the all the marketing material they call this you know your sixth album. They're kind of putting you forward to kind of market you that way. So mm-hmm. you've you've had about before this five more solo type stuff. Was it? Yeah. Roughly, I, I think six might have been a stretch. <laughs> I had um, an EP and I think two or three full lengths, um, okay. or op, vice versa, maybe two. Yeah, I guess that's right. Two full lengths and two EPs, something like that. Prior okay. to risk. Yeah. I actually haven't heard the. Uh, I haven't heard your solo stuff, so we'll have to remedy that. Yeah, let's take care of it. <laughs> <clears throat> um, and so, so you guys. Uh, they kicked you. They kicked your name off the band, right? So the trouble starts. <laughs> that so, was kind of a mutual decision, actually. Yeah. You know, Will from Bear Trap kind of got the ball rolling on that. You know, because towards the end of the Risk campaign, it was like, "Listen, man, I think we could have got a lot more coverage had you not had your name attached to it." Just because immediately you think folk band or okay, you know, a, you know, a jam band or something like that, and I kind of took that to heart and. As the songs for the new material developed, there were other band members stepping forward and taking even more ownership of their parts. And I was like, you know, this is a band, and I'm just a piece of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we dropped it. Yeah, right. and it kind of also gave me freedom to to do my solo stuff without having to worry about stepping on any toes. Right. Yeah. Well, I really like. I, I remember really liking the album Risk, and it was kind of. Because at first I thought maybe this is a folky record, maybe this is like an alt-country type thing was what I initially was expecting. But it was more like, I don't, I, I'm, I'm so bad at classifying, you know, styles of music, but it reminded me more of like Appleseed Cast mixed with Wilco type uh, feel to it. Yeah, um, that's kind of, you know, that's the stuff we love and those are the records that I've always tried to make, you know, mm-hmm. weird and, and big yeah, and Appleseed yeah. Cast was always kind of a big influence, you know, Explosions in the Sky, um, a lot of instrumental, big, epic stuff. And that's definitely, you can hear it on that record. Yeah. So you guys um, are have a couple EPs that you guys have released. East was released last year. In August, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I noticed kind of a style change between Risk and East. East seems a bit more, kind of maybe stri- stripped down a little bit. Well, it's different personnel, yeah, um, yeah. with the exception of Shay, the drummer. We got a, another guitar player, a new guitar player who's a wild man and um, a total shredder and really great guitar player. And so I think that I didn't want to remake Risk. I wanted to, I felt like I did the huge stuff. And mm-hmm. I thought that I could explore the realm of huge and epic without, you know, just overdubs and volume shifts. So we did that. And I think it worked. <clears throat> and the idea for the risk or for sorry, for the East West combo was oh, oh. we recorded all these songs together um, as a project called Frontiers. And then we started to realize that the dynamic of the music world is shifting and and we can't even we can't market 
the this record the same way that we can market that we marketed risk or try to promote that because right, right. everything's so like one song okay skip and same you know we're trying to send stuff to radio so our theory was trying to stay on the radar constantly okay because okay. we still see bands today seattle bands friends of ours that are putting out a full-length record having a huge release show spending a ton of money losing a ton of money going on tour for two years and then doing it all over again and that we've all done that and that process is exhausting and expensive and yeah, yeah. we just wanted to try a different approach this time so we split it up do you do you feel like uh do you feel like as far as touring goes that that's not really necessity these days or i think or, that it's hard yeah um, yeah I mean, I guess that's the understatement of the year, but you have guys like me that are almost 40, and a lot of the guys in the band are the same age. Everyone is married except for me. I have a girlfriend. Um, that One of them has a kid. And so unless something big comes up, it's not really like we're going to take it. I mean, yeah. I, I can always get, on my, get in my car or get on a plane and do one-offs, but if we're just going to go down or go down the coast with a, another band or something, mm-hmm. but... Trying to do another nationwide tour where you're just a relatively unknown band that's getting some college radio support and some local press, it's brutal. Yeah. It's damaging to your soul in a lot of ways. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you feel like a lot more bands are, are taking less risks these days? Like your, guy, your peers that are in the Seattle area, is, are they more worried about or focused on kind of the local scene now? I think so. I've kind of, over the last couple of years, we as a band and me as an artist have kind of tapered off from the local stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll only take a handful of shows per year and then try to focus our efforts elsewhere, especially with me being able to, um, you know, having a flexible schedule and being able to go out and promote on my own. Um, I think that, I'm not saying that it comes from getting no love from Seattle, but Seattle has known me for a long time. I've played here for a long time, and I'm excited to to branch out. Um, I'll always call Seattle home, mm-hmm. but you know, getting known in other markets is kind of more more interesting to me right now. Yeah. So the shift from the EP East to West musically, um, I haven't had I haven't had my sit down, you know, let the music envelop me uh, session yet with the West. I just before we started talking here. Had a uh, probably about fifteen minutes to to blaze through the the album after it, on ba- on uh, um, oh not yeah Bandcamp I was gonna say GarageBand uh, but I I feel I can hear kind of that musical shift between East and West whereas West seems a little more kind of laid back yeah I think it's in a lot of ways dark it's darker but yeah. also poppier um, we put a lot of uh, songs on east that we thought represented a certain feeling and especially with this record coming out in the winter like i said they were all recorded in the same session mm-hmm. so they're all part of the bigger the big you know mm-hmm. th- you know what's the theme right but um they definitely they definitely feel different and to be honest i love this record a lot more than the first one i love that record but this record just feels better to me. And we put a remix on there of one of the songs that was on East, done by the City Light guys. Um, okay. And 
we just love that the remix so much. We're like, you know, people need to hear this, so why not throw it on there? Yeah. <clears throat> so it's, it's a nice change up. Yeah. So what's your guys' plan from here? Uh, you're gonna promote this, promote the EP, and and what's the next kind of step for the, the trouble as far as the trouble starts goes? Right now, we have our the record comes out on the 25th of February. Um, it went out to radio this week. It's already been added to KXP and a handful of other stations. So we're going to hopefully do some in-studios and then um, promote it as heavily as we can and then probably just play, do, do the same thing, play a handful of shows and take the big shows that get offered to us. But everyone in the band has their own projects as well. So um, our guitar player sings and plays guitar in an awesome band called Gibraltar. The drummer and bass player, um, Shay and Kenny, both play in a band called Wear Bear Cat, and they're both doing big things this spring. So I'm kind of taking a step back and um, f- working on, on solo stuff. Mm. I'm going to try to, I'm going to record a, a record with Brandon Eggleston in Portland, and I'm you know demoing all those songs at home and just spending a lot of time getting back to like the craft of writing. Because I feel like a lot of that has been lost with playing in a band as mm-hmm. weird as that sounds well it's a different it's a different animal like a band you're collect it's a collaboration you know mm-hmm. whereas writing with writing by yourself is more that you're kind of that's your blood on the page you know what i mean right and i i, I kind of want to just get back to um how i know how to songwrite as weird as that sounds because i've been playing in this band for so long mm. um the like not tracking anything and not demoing demoing anything until I have solid ideas down, and then flushing them out once the demo is recorded before I go and actually track the thing. <clears throat> cool. So, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's a good to always be looking. F- I guess looking forward to the next thing. It's funny because when in, in anything artistic, you know, once it, it's almost like once you are done with a project and it's out in the world, you're moving on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas the world is finally just getting a chance to really digest it, but you're already kind of moving on. Yeah, I mean, East and West, or Frontiers as we, we call it, was huh. recorded um, 18, and, 18 months ago and a year ago. We split it up. So we've all kind of moved on from there. But it's just kind of now we're giving birth to it. Yeah. So a lot of people don't, I think a lot of people don't understand how the machine works or just because they've never really been exposed to it. Yeah, this has definitely been the longest time I've waited to release rec- a record um, between stuff, but it's also been good. Yeah, it's given us a lot of time to think about where we want things to go. That's cool. Did, did it kind of drive you nuts? I know. I mean, I, on a, I'm on a smaller scale. Like I, I've dabbled in bands, and I did a, an acoustic project with a friend of mine, and and uh, I've never had to worry about release dates. As soon as the thing's done, I'm happy with it. I just put it out there. Um, that's awesome that's and, the way it should be yeah but I mean it's <laughs> it's been a while I mean I'm you know being married with kids now we, I don't have that time to create my and uh, but I, we just uh, let's see a couple of years ago I finally I found a disc with old unmixed files and I uh-huh. had, had a chance to actually finally get vocals on them so it was like it was cool to f- finish it but yeah I just released it when it's done and it's yeah. different to kind of just sit on something and not release it. Does it kind of drive you nuts a little bit or? Yes and no. Yeah. Um, I think that the solo stuff is more like what you're talking about where I, I record it, get it done, get it out mm-hmm. because I am, I live inside my head a lot. 
<laughs> and having a year between you know mixing a record and it actually coming out can be stressful. You know, yeah. you overanalyze and you listen and you listen and you're yeah. like, shit, what's this? You know, th- I, sh- I would have done that differently. Or, um, and I'm not talking big picture. I'm just you know the little things that we all kind of nitpick. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely there. The longer spread you have between, you know, yeah. tracking, mixing, and then finally the record coming out. Yeah. Well, cool. Let's uh, let's play a song from West, uh, the, the song that you guys have made available on your Bandcamp for for download. The one that you guys are kind of giving out is uh, is "Bird in the Water." Yeah, and that's going to be available. Um, well, this is going to come out either this weekend or next, but that'll be available until the twenty eighth for download, and then we're going to do another free download um, in uh, on the twenty eighth. Okay. Of a different song. And the the uh, the EP actually releases when's the date? February twenty fifth. Yeah. Cool. All right, we're gonna play this, and we'll come back, and we're gonna dive uh, into more, say, philosophical things. Yikes! (laughs) After this. All right. Um, But uh, this is the trouble starts with the song "Bird in the Water." You're listening to the AXPX podcast.
that was The Trouble Starts with Bird in the Water. It's off of their EP West, which comes out on February 25th. And uh, so look for it on, uh, you'll be able to grab it on Bandcamp. And I'm assuming it's going to be on iTunes. Yep. Uh, it'll be available in iTunes for pre-order probably next week. Um, and then, you know, down full download on the 25th. Okay. And uh, I'm, I'm assuming also Amazon MP3. Yep. As well? Yeah, all the digital stuff. Okay. The East, we actually... Uh, we have dig- physical copies of that still available. They're oh, okay. all hand-numbered and hand-assembled. What you guys should do is combine this into the Frontiers Package LP, if you know what I'm I saying. Know. I know. Mm-hmm. You're, you, you, have you been reading my mind? Because <laughs> we've been talking to that, about that for a very, very long time. Yeah. At, so I hope you kind of gave it all away there. Ah, right? damn it. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, as, as a collector, it's something that I would love, you know. Me too. <laughs> like so. my my dream is always to have a record come out on vinyl, so that's what we hope to do with this. Yeah. Um, let's talk vinyl. Yeah. I, I said we're gonna you know move into stuff more philosophical, but it could wait. That is philosophical. Um, I love. I mean, I love. I just recently, I think last year, I finally, after years of wanting to do it, finally bought a record player, and I had had a few records here and there, but I finally jumped into buying vinyl last uh, last December. So, um, a year in, and I, yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. Do you, um, now people always say like there's a sound difference and I'm not sure if I can really tell just because we're running, I'm running my record player through my, um, amplifier and my downstairs, you know, Totally. and so I have a shitty neighbor, so I have to play stuff quiet. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you ever, uh, now can you notice a difference in the sound? I get the physics of it and how, you know, how it should work. But uh, it's carved into wax. Mm-hmm. Um, no, because my wife, my <laughs> wife can't. She goes, I don't know why yeah. you buy these. <laughs> I, I, I buy it because I like the physical big aspect of yeah. it. Yeah, you know, I I grew up listening to records. The b- records I grew up with, I I then inherited. To be honest, you know, I don't I don't buy CDs anymore. I'll either download something or I will buy it on vinyl and then download it. Yeah, to download it now. Yeah. Um, and I think it's more fun. I love, you know, gatefold and being able to like slide it out. And I just love the feel of it. And I'm sure the thing is, man, if I had an awesome stereo and I could listen really well without hearing, you know, a boat or the train go by, <laughs> I'm sure I'd be like, yeah, that's way better. But I don't. I just like the process of it. Yeah. Taking it out, putting it on, stopping, flipping it over. I don't know. Setting it on top so it looks, I don't know. It's just. You have to, yeah, you have to display it. Yeah, while it's playing, yeah. And I've been buying, like, all the Bruce Springsteen I can on vinyl. Nice. Because it's always cheap in places, and I love the boss. So, so yeah, I, I actually inherited a whole bunch of Bruce Springsteen. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and I have, uh, it's this old, I think it's one of his first releases, but it's, like, on a hand, not a hand-drawn, but it looks like they, they drew the cover, and then they copied it, and then, then they... Then they put wow. it on there. Uh, the Jersey, the new uh, Jersey Devil, something like that. I don't know. I just know greetings from Ashbury Park and and all the big releases. Yeah, it's a. Uh, you got to take a picture and post that. Yeah, um, it's great because it's basically just a recording of him playing in a bar. Oh, and, that's uh, awesome. I'm trying to find an info on here, but it's pretty rare apparently. There was this video that came out last year, and maybe you posted it of him playing at some shitty bar in Kansas City. 
like three years before Greetings came out, <laughs> and it's amazing. Like he plays two songs. He plays um, uh, not Rosalita, oh uh, Queen of Arkansas, and one other song, and it's just so beautiful. And it's like, man, this is where it actually came from. Yeah. See, I love the process. I love like seeing, and that's why I'm kind of doing the demo stuff and then recording it like as a real record. Is I I think people are because I am, I are interested in seeing or hearing the process of how records are made, what, how an original idea turns into something different or the same, only, only a little different. Yeah. That's fantastic. That Springsteen is great. Oh yeah. He's my favorite. And I love, I love hearing, he's one of those guys you love, you, you wish you can go back in time and see him play in some dive bar. Oh man. You know, just because the way he tells stories and just, you know, it's pretty great stuff. Yeah, have you been watching? Have you watched Lily Hammer? You know, it's on my it's on my list of Netflix things to watch. I've I been watching it just because of Stevie Van Zant. Um, it's okay, <laughs> but it was funny because they like the last episode I watched. They opened with Born to Run. Like, oh, nice! Was, as the credits rolled, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> well, uh, let's dive into some uh, some other stuff. Um, something struck me when you were recently on the Mike Herrera Hour. And uh, he, you know, it's a, it's a, you guys went over time and um, my, my actually, it was starting to get good when you guys had to stop. But uh, the last half hour or so, you guys started talking about religion and, and kind of your background and things like that. And, and it turns out that we kind of have a similar background with uh, your parents being, you know, very, very religious. Um, you're raised up in a Christian family and I'm, I'm sure you listen to Christian rock, uh, yeah. you know. DC Talk and yeah and what and MXPX yeah oh MXPX huh <laughs> who so yeah. I mean it's in- interesting to see kind of the tra- uh, trajectory of of Mike's faith um, and he he's not extremely vocal about it but I kind of get where he's coming from yeah I had a hard time getting a gauge on that <laughs> you know yeah um, it sounds like he's I mean, it sounds like he's kind of. I mean, we're all about the same age, right? I'm I'm 35. Uh, Mike's what, 36? Yeah, I think you know I'm 37. I think he's he might be a year older than me. Yeah. Um, I think though, you know, I kind of have a theory about that. And even if he was like, you know, went the Bazan route and and completely decided to you know no longer be a believer, mm-hmm. I think that'd be a huge step for him because he they dude they they fly all over the place and play one offs and that you know they're playing to a shitload of Christian kids. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and so that might that would for him to publicly say that would kind of probably be not what he would want to do. No, I mean I I always I almost I mean, my jaw hit the ground when he admitted to smoking weed, and I was like, oh my gosh, you know. <laughs> yeah, dude, we smoked a bowl together before we even <laughs> did the podcast. <laughs> that explains <laughs> so a lot. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but if you listen, uh, I don't mean to plug it, but if, if you go to his like tumblr page you can actually listen to it's called the after hour or whatever where the rest of our interview airs okay and the uh he plays one of our songs on there i think oh he does nice yeah Yeah. that was nice of him yeah so um that was i mean it's great you know that you had the opportunity to to talk to him and i've been trying to get him on the show for quite a long time and it almost worked out you know on on the podcast when you guys were talking he mentions this show out in the middle of nowhere in Mm, california Um, that was the weekend I was going to try to meet up with him, and he was thinking it was in L.A. when I was originally, initially talking to him. And then I looked, and he told me he told me where it was, and I looked on the map, and I was like, 
Oh my god, that's not... <laughs> was it like in Joshua Tree or something? It was, it was crazy. Yeah, it was, it's out there in Methland. I mean, oh, just right. middle of nowhere. So I was like, nope, I don't think I'm going to make it to that. <laughs> it's like where Face to Face is from, like Victorville yeah, or something. Probably it's something like that, but it was even even more remote than that. So it it didn't work out. I, I would love to have him on the on the show uh, one of these days, but eh, you know, we'll see. Well, I'll, I'll start small with you. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, look at the time. Yeah. Oh shit! That has ruined the. That has ruined. <laughs> no. Um. So, so let's talk about. It. I mean, so you're uh, describe your like how the family you you grew up in. I mean, what uh, denom- denomination were your parents? What what was that? You know, youth group. The youth group uh, stuff. Like? I grew up. Uh, I grew up Lutheran, or I I I, I will say now. Um, I was raised by Lutheran parents. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, going to church every Sunday. It was always a chore, and uh, it was in a very small town in Arizona, and we were we were one of the very few, uh, you know, Lutheran families in a, a sea of Mormons. Oh, okay. And so, <clears throat> I think I don't know if you're familiar with Lutheran doctrine or whatever, and it may have just been my crazy pastor at the time. Yeah. But I, I was raised very, I was raised Lutheran. Really? Yeah. Missouri or Wisconsin Senate? Evangelical. <laughs> no, it's actually in uh, the Bay Area. We are, there's a Lutheran church there. I can't even remember the name of the church. Um, I don't was know. St. Like, Somethings, you know, Lutheran church. Like hymnals or rock band? It was hy- hymnals for sure. Okay. So, so definitely the same, same type of shit. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then we, went, we moved to Iowa um, and we went to a small Lutheran church there. And then my parents got sick of the Lutheran thing. And I don't know if there was a difference in the you know the 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 doctrine between the Lutheran churches, which there probably is, as mm-hmm. you mentioned. But they didn't like that uh, that one, so they, then we got involved in like an evangelical free. And oh yeah, kind of evangelical free. I know those guys too. And then I went to a Lutheran college. So sure. Did anyway. you go to Concordia? Or? No, I, it was a small Lutheran college called Waldorf in uh, Forest City, Iowa. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, it was great school, very liberal, which I really liked. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and I know that now, and I don't know, it must be the evangelicals, but I know that, like, uh, Lutherans have somehow become, like, pretty open to gay marriage and stuff now. Yeah. Uh, I don't, you know, my not the church my parents go to, <laughs> but that's why it, it makes me think that it, it must be the evangelical side. Yeah. Which pisses off the evangelical free denominations. Because they don't know we have evangelical and we're anti-gay, you know. Yeah, exactly. You took our word. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but growing up there, going being Lutheran, I don't know if you had the same experience. Was, you know, very much you don't associate with other denominations because that kind of lets the devil in. And and my parents were like, no, that's dumb. So I got to hang out with other Christian kids, and so that's kind of how my story began. Is I I met some kids at a a big youth group thing at the Catholic church and then met a girl. We became friends. And then when I moved to Phoenix, I started working for her parents and they went to, um, an evangelical free church called faith evangelical free in, in Mesa or Tempe, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I got hooked up with like learning about hardcore and learning about, you know, punk rock. Cause I loved hardcore and I love punk rock, but I never, ever imagined the two worlds meeting you know christianity and rock and roll right right and so i started going to like mxpx shows and um you know 
overcome shows and oh, unashamed and <laughs> all those all those <laughs> hardcore you know the first ever tooth and nail bands yeah yeah and I was like this is awesome and and then a big shift for me was my best friend from high school um, who grew up Assembly of God came out and I was like whoa this is I, I never I never would have thought that and then he started telling me stories about how you know since he was eight years old he would pray that uh, you know God would take the, the gay away from him or take the sin away and, and I was like God that's fucked up like mm-hmm. and the more I thought about that the angrier and angrier I got and so I just started reading and 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 for the first time in my life you know kind of thinking for myself mm-hmm. because I'd been thinking the way my parents wanted me to think for 18 years um, and so then I moved to Seattle and as my parents will say you know I, that's where I became a heathen <laughs> I mean dude honestly like my parents don't even know that you know I essentially consider myself an atheist now. yeah like I was telling Mike you know like they my parent, my mom's biggest fear is that she's not going to see me in heaven. Right. So that's some heavy shit to live with. Yeah. As I'm sure you know. Yeah. I mean, does it? Do you guys kind of leave it unspoken when you talk to your parents, or do you just, you know, they, h- we, how's that work? How does like you know Thanksgiving dinner work if when, when if you guys get together? Uh, they pray. It makes everyone uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, my girlfriend and I just kind of sit there, and then uh, they drug me to church on Christmas. Mm. Uh, this Christmas Eve this year and the thing that made me the angriest because I've kind of gotten into the place where I'm no longer super angry about it I'm mm-hmm. more like oh it's a fairy tale you know mm-hmm. there's a lot of fairy tales that a lot of people believe I'm just going to play along with this one and try to make the most of it especially when I'm around my parents mm-hmm. so um, the thing that pissed me off is that they didn't ask me to go oh, okay they just said alright you're you're at, you're staying you're at our house you were going oh and so that's gonna that's gonna end and it didn't really make me mad until I sat and thought about it <laughs> I'm like dude I'm fucking you know what forty years old and I'm being told to go to church with my parents yeah but I I don't think that that's uncommon you know no like I, I try I I I walk on eggshells a lot of th- a lot of the time um, with them and I. In a lot of ways, I think it's for their own good. You know, I don't want to. I guess I don't want to break their hearts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hear that a lot. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, I've last year I interviewed quite a few uh, friend. You know, people who went came from a Christian background and and you know decided not to believe anymore. And the it seems like the other than themselves kind of getting over this all of a sudden this change in thinking and all the stuff that 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 drags up. I think the biggest thing was uh, this relationships with the families. Yeah. And some people, I think out of the three or four that I talked to, I feel it seems like they're that was a big on. deal. <laughs> they're, they're shining it on like I am. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, it's it's unfortunate. I wish, you know, I wish it didn't have to be that way. I I always think about, you know, me as a as a dad, I got three kids and like how I'm, if they differ from my beliefs, how am I going to react, you know? And I always hope that I can, as I do with these conversations in the show, that just, just engage the conversation and kind of see where it goes sure. and let them come to their own, own, de- own decisions. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 I was, uh, went through a lot of anger. I think last year was the 
the first year I actually kind of gripped the bull by the horns, you know, and said, all right, I'm going to face this uh, doubt that I have, you know, and see where it goes. And I can say that I, I'm definitely less angry after getting through a whole lot of things. What, what Therapy has helped. Yeah, I, I've I've thought about therapy. I've almost gone. I haven't gone um, yet. But um, has that kind of helped you get over most of the anger issues? Absolutely. And yeah. my therapist um, is awesome because she kind of comes from the same boat that you and I do. Um, I don't think that – I think she may still be consider herself Christian, but she's mm-hmm. very, very liberal and super progressive and mm-hmm. and swears, you know, and and knows that, you know. I have premarital sex and smoke weed and all that stuff. And, and there's absolutely no judgment there. Yeah. So she's been very, very helpful um, about, you know, just helping me become, well, not become, but um, how do I say it? Like express who I am, mm-hmm. but, but on my terms, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, would you say that, uh, you say you, you more, identify more atheist. Do you feel your journey is done or do you feel that the journey is never done? No, I don't think it's ever done. And yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I'm a big science guy and I'm always reading. And I, I think, I wish that I had had the library presented to me now, that I do now, that I did back then. Yeah. You know, being able to read like Richard Dawkins and, and, and all the stuff on Netflix that you can watch about <laughs> you know, space and, and stuff that actually makes sense. Because um, I eat that stuff up. Mm-hmm. I'm always watching and I'm always reading about that. Um, so no, the, I don't think the journey will ever, and my, my views may shift. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I so, find something where I'm completely comfortable living in both worlds, but I don't, I don't really see that right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to have kids, so I'm not going to face, really face that. Yeah. yeah. The, the challenge that you, I don't know if it's a challenge, but that you do. You know? No, I, I, it's a unique challenge. It's a, it's cool because like, I feel like I have a better perspective, a kind of a more open-minded perspective than how I was raised. And, uh, I mean, my parents, I mean, I, I almost wish, I mean, they're very much more open-minded and it's easier to talk to them now than it would have been, say, I, I would have been going through this, say, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. It would have been total hell to try to even bring this up. But their views have changed, and my dad doesn't necessarily even really believe in hell anymore. Sure. Um, so their views have changed, and they're definitely more they're pr- more progressive in certain areas. But then they're more, you know, um, but then they're not in other areas. It's kind of unique for them. But um, yeah, I th- mine are too. And I think that I definitely think my parents will always be Christian. But as you know, the Lutheran Church is very. Um, <clears throat> kind of a big social thing, mm-hmm. especially for yeah. the older people that a lot of them are just kind of waiting for the clock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I go there and I'm like, when I went with my parents, I'm like, geez, man, I'm literally the youngest person here except for these other kids, like kids who are in the same boat as me or just right. kids that were like, you know, nine and 10 that were brought there by their parents. Yeah. So your parents have always stayed in the Lutheran side of things oh, yeah yep yeah because mine we you know went lutheran evangelical free and then now uh they did non-denominational and now they do more kind of home church and they're in this uh uh they meet on su- saturdays now because saturday is the actual sabbath so there's like a blend of jewish and christian going on there and seventh-day adventist 
No, they're not some. Yeah, but they're not Seventh Day Adventists. Mm. Um, I always try to talk to them about it, and then I just—it's just there's way too much to to unpack. And meanwhile, you know, the kid's in the corner pooping in his pants, and you know, I just don't have time. Well, you're a better man than I. Keep <laughs> attempting it. You know? Yeah. So uh, I wanted to ask you when you brought this up on on uh, Mike's podcast that uh, this whole no no having kids thing. Did you just say I'm not gonna? You know what? I'm fine with not bringing any kids in the world, and then just go to yeah. the doctor yep. <laughs> pretty much? yeah pretty much i mean it was a very my parents don't even know that um but they don't i i that's the thing i'm going to tell them soon but um they know that i don't want kids my mm. sister doesn't really want kids and i i've never really had that craving you know mm. to have a kid and i talk to male friends of mine and i'm always asking them, like do you want kids or did you want this kid and they're all like <laughs> Yeah, of course. And I just, I don't have that. Yeah. And so a couple of years ago, I just kind of started this, getting this worm in my brain about, you know, well, maybe I should do something about that, you know, because I've, you know, been with dated girls and been in relationships with, you know, with women that have, you know, been on birth control. And I'm like, well, now I'm in a relationship with someone who's on birth control and who also doesn't want children. So it's time for me to, to man up and, and, and you know and accept some responsibility and so i did it and honestly like i feel awesome about it yeah i think the day after the day of i was like jesus like (laughs) a little bit terrified you know um not to mention someone's messing with your nuts but right uh, just I, i the thing i dwelled on for a long time was the finality of it all you know yeah i knew that i wasn't gonna be in two years or wake up the next day and be like, I want kids. I, I fucked up. You know, <laughs> I, I think that just messing with your body in any way permanent always freaks me out. Although I'm a guy with tattoos. So <laughs> well, no, figure yeah, that one out. Yeah. Well, it, it, it freaks me out too. I mean, I, we have three, three kids and I, we both decided that not, we're not having any more. And I'm, I always dread, I haven't gone in yet. I know I need to go in and get, the, get the procedure done. And I dread just that phone call. I'm like, what is wrong with me? I don't want kids. I think well, which phone four call? Kids to I the go doctor? Through. To the doctor, yeah, to, to get myself uh, snipped. It was, but, you know, procedure-wise, it was like one of the easiest things I've ever gone through. Yeah. And, and the recovery was, like, easy. That's so. what I hear. I, I need to stop being such a big pussy about it. Yeah. Man, I- <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> no. There's no way that I will be sane with four kids. Like, there's just no way. Dude, I don't, I don't know how you're saying with one, let alone three. Yeah, you know, I've I've made it through. But, but that uh, comes from a non-believing <laughs> dude with no kids. So. Take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, well, it's, you know, I for me, you know, um, my kids are awesome. I mean, we have a lot of fun, and yeah, it's hard. It's uh, you know, I I have a friend actually, uh, Joey, who is the the co-host for the show last year. He, you know, he he doesn't want to have kids more from a he he doesn't want to. He thinks the world is so fucked up. He doesn't want to bring a kid into <laughs> right, that world. Right. right. <laughs> no, I know that so, too. <clears throat> which is true. I mean, which is yeah. You can definitely have an argument for that. But uh, for me, my personality. I, mean, I I come from a family of three. We have three kids, and uh, and you know, I'm I'm really I'm I'm digging it. I'm I I love being a dad, and and I I I don't think uh, you know I don't know I I, I like it. But ev- like everyone's different, you know. And well, I think for me, I, I, 
I, I just had to take a you know big look in the mirror and be like, I'm a selfish dude. <laughs> and I, I want to play music for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I couldn't, not that, and Mike and I talked about this, not that other dudes or women in bands can't, can't do that. I just, I don't think I'm that guy, you know, like if, if for some reason I was to tour for an extended period of time, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to be that asshole that's always gone. Yeah. So I accepted my selfishness and took care of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, I, I saw a documentary called, um, uh, what was it called? The other F word. And it's basically following along the singer of, uh, of the band, uh, Penny, uh, Pennywise. Uh, huh. And because he recently, within the last couple of years, quit the band to focus on being a dad. So, so it's that F word, fatherhood? Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. So they have guys like uh, like Lars. I think it was Lars from Rancid. Uh-huh. Um, with his little kid, you have uh, the dude from uh, No Effects, lead singer of, of No Effects. Fat Mike. Fat Mike. That's, I don't know why I didn't think of that. Think of that. But, you know, them and dealing with fatherhood and... And yeah, it's a, you know, if you want to pursue a, a career in music and, and have kids, and it definitely is a rough thing. And it showed how, I can't remember the singer of uh, Pennywise, but it, I mean, he was gone. So they follow him for almost a year, and he was gone about maybe 290 days out of the year or something like that. Well, so I do that. His, yeah, well, um, so his kids grew, you know what I mean? Like right. from the start of the documentary to the end of the documentary, the kids look different, you know? And, uh, so that was like when, being in Iraq or something. Like, yeah, I know. It's so, her family. Yeah. So I can, I definitely see like, if you want to be a full-time musician, you have a decision to make on, you know, what you're going to do. Like, you know, if you're going to settle down and have a family and, you know, it's all, it is almost better for the kids to have both parents around if you can. So, totally. yeah. you know, it's all good. It's all good. So, um, I'm trying to think, uh, I'm like a deadbeat dad without the kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to be around. <laughs> um, let's see here. I'm trying to think where we can go from here. I'm like, where, where did we end up? We're talking about, uh, you asked about the, the snip. Yeah. Yeah. And I went to the doctor I went to is actually called Dr. Snip. Oh here. Jesus. I know it's funny. And I got a, a pocket knife. Oh, did you? Yeah, that was part of like the gift that they give you is the pocket knife that's that says Doctor Snip, like DrSnip.com. Wow, <clears throat> that's crazy. So, have you? Um, did you? Like, how much of your songwriting kind of goes into your personal kind of faith journey, or or you know your your disbelief? Do you put that into the songs? Do you like how how do you approach songwriting from a personal level? It's getting there. Uh-huh. I think that for a long time I was like, you know, I wrote lyrics in the built to spill manner of like, you know, I have a notebook and I have a bunch of words, let's throw them together and then mm-hmm. pull some shit. And then eventually it'll make sense. But now I'm actually, you know, kind of taking the journeyman approach and like sitting down and writing. And my idea for this next record was in a way, although I hate the term, a bit of a concept record, just kind of about where I came from and, um, you know, where I came from. It's mm-hmm. like, like I'm from Compton or something. <laughs> um, you know, just my experience with, you know, with, with religion and faith and, and its impact on a small town. So I'm really trying to lean my writing towards that way. I, mm-hmm. I, I, it's, I struggle writing thematically though. Yeah. 
I think yeah. I just I have a grand idea, and then the second I sit down to put the you know pen to paper, it just vanishes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the hardest for me when I would try to write. I think the best songs that I've written were kind of just hanging out with the band and they would start playing and I would start hearing words and I would write stuff down as the music's playing and we'd form the song. Mm-hmm. But whenever I sat down, like, I'm going to write because I wanted to do, start, I want to start writing again and I'm trying to sit down and choose a theme and I definitely want my, my personal kind of journey to, to go into it. But every time I sit down and nothing comes out, I'm, I'm actually better at abstract, uh, trying to get abstract things down than I am trying to tell a story. So. Right. And I did the same thing, you know, like, I, I think that was a big frustration with the band stuff for myself on a personal level was that we would write songs and then I would kind of, um, I would do, I would come up with melodies and then kind of put these place, I say it all the time, but like these placeholder lyrics in because mm-hmm. the melody was awesome. Right. And then um, I would go home and try to fill that, fill that gap. And it was just impossible. So I would, I, I would just struggle, struggle, struggle trying to write lyrics that that matched that feeling that we got in the practice space. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I was like, well, I'm going to take some time from that and try to like get back to the the craft of it. And mm-hmm. that's, that's what I'm doing now. Cool. Well, I wish you all the best of luck with that. I'm excited to hear what you come up with. Yeah. Do you want to you want to play one of those songs? Uh, yeah, we can. Let's, if you seg- have- let's segue into that. Yeah, if you have one available, <laughs> yeah. um, set, set, go ahead and set up the song. Yeah, so this this song is called Anna, and it's about um, it's it's one of the the new demos um, that I'm recording that's going to be coming out probably by the time this comes out. It'll be available on Bandcamp. So cool. it's uh, about a hummingbird that died in my apartment. <laughs> so sad. But it's yeah, it's depressing. It was awful. <laughs> I just found it hanging there. It came into to hibernate staying at my girlfriend's house for like a week and i came in and it was just hanging there dead it was awful so that's horrible literally sat down it was like instant inspiration though and so i literally sat down and wrote the song like cool an hour and that that shit never happens and when it does you kind of thank god for technology you kind of have to be able to capture it exactly all right we're gonna listen to this this is daniel g Harmon with anna on the axpx podcast Set 
branches lined with all your friends. Your winter's rushing in, and did you know I met your cousin then? I held him in my hands, and everyone you know will stay so close. That was uh, today's guest, Daniel G. Harmon, with the song Anna. It's a song about a dead hummingbird. Womp yeah. womp. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go hang up with Daniel, Daniel and cry. I'm going to hunt. I'm gonna go hunting. I've got to go shoot my dinner. <laughs> uh, well, um, D- Daniel, thanks so much for, for chatting with me today about you know, music and opening up about your, about, you know, um, your personal faith journey, I don't know, faith journey, I don't know, whatever. I Disbelief love journey, <laughs> whatever. Faith journey, that's such a good band. I think that's a, that's a metal Christian band, right? Faith journey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I wanted to bring this up. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it, but there's, uh, there's I'm going I'm to try to get a critic friend of mine on the show to talk about this, but there's a Christian horror movie called The Lock-In. Have you heard of this? Shut up. <laughs> no. no. Where can I find it? Uh, if you go to YouTube, type in the lock-in official trailer, and and you can watch the the trailer. And it's found footage Christian, you know, Christian found footage film about guys who bring a porno mag, or as they say in the film, dirty mag, nice. to a lock-in, and apparently it you know brings the devil in. What's a lock-in? Oh well, a lock-in for those of you who don't know. <laughs> What's a lock-in It's this shop? thing that Christian youth groups do <laughs> where they take you to a gym or most likely the church and they lock you in the church all night long. Oh. And you have fun, tons of fun, fun, safe activities. Oh, I guess that's what that thing was that I went to where I met um, all those friends that then I moved to Phoenix. That must have been a lock-in because it was an all-nighter. <laughs> it was a rager. Yeah. Wow. This is an all nighter without an all nighter without the ecstasy. With a dirty mag. With a dirty mag. So yeah, um, yeah. I wanted to mention that. So Google that. I'll put a link in the uh, in the show notes. And uh, I would love to track down the directors and seriously uh, interview them. And dude, that and, would be so awesome. Um, it may. I don't know. I'm sure they're nice people, but it may be. I kind of want to. I kind of want to see what they're thinking. But yeah. 
Well, I would listen to that. <laughs> well, uh, thanks everyone for tuning in to the show. Again, uh, this week's guest was Daniel G. Harmon. Thanks, uh, Sean. You're welcome. And check out his music. Go to bandcamp.com slash... And let's just say, just I go to the, tro- the troublestarts.com. There you go. That'll Good. take you anywhere you want to go. TheTroubleStarts.com. Of course, there'll be links in the show notes on TheAXPX.com. Follow me on Twitter at TheAXPX. And you can follow Dan at Hello Tower. Yep. Hello Tower. Nice. All right, Dan, thanks again. And I'm sure you and I will be chatting up on the Twitters sometime. In yeah. about, probably about 15 minutes from probably. now. Probably. And then... <laughs> uh, watch the lock-in trip. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then, uh, you know, hopefully... In the in the future, if you ever make your way down to Southern California, uh, you got a couch to sleep on for sure. Thank you. And uh, you know, definitely don't be a stranger if you come down come down this way. Thank you so much, Sam. If you come to Seattle, man. Definitely, I need to make a trip up there. You should. All right, all right everybody. Uh, I don't know who I'm talking to next week. Uh, I'm thinking Stephen C. Miller. He's the director uh, the director of the Aggression Scale, and a movie called Under the Bed, and his new movie Submerged is being edited by him right now. So I'm hoping to have that be our next show. Stay tuned uh, on, tw- on Twitter, the AXPX. All right, everybody, have a great week. I'll talk to you next time. Bye, Sean. Yeah.